You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. We're now going to move on to, to the AFC South and, and you've got the best two hosts of the, the Fantasy Wildcard. So what more do you want? Well, I can give you a bit more. We've got three amazing guests coming on to help us go through these two teams. We're kicking off with the Titans and Colts. So let me, let me bring on the, the guests that we've got. We've got Jack, Matty and Theo, the guys over at Roto Underworld. Guys, how are you doing? Thank you for, for joining us. Doing great. Thanks for uh, having us, man. We're excited to uh, talk to you guys and happy to support the cause. I think it's awesome you guys are raising so much money today, um, and it's awesome you're able to podcast for so long in a row, guys. That's uh, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're here. I mean the quality might be dipping, but we're still here in in, in presence at least. So um, yeah, um, Jack, Matty, how are you both doing as well? Fantastic. Doing great. Happy, doing yeah, great. happy to be here. Happy to be here supporting such a great cause. Happy to be chatting with such great guys, and it's a good day. It's a great Saturday. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's raining here in Massachusetts, but I'm very excited to be on. You guys are what you guys are doing is simply awesome, and to be a part of it is is beyond cool. And I'm just you know, anytime you can talk fantasy and help out a good cause, it's a win win, baby. No, absolutely. And as I say, we appreciate you coming on. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about these two teams, and we'll kick things off straight away with the Titans. Um, a team that maybe we haven't been too excited about in recent years, but maybe could we be starting to look at some exciting pieces slowly falling into place? So, Ali, we'll go over to you for the, for the first question the guys yeah so welcome in gents excited to have you with us to, for this hour so yeah we'll talk about uh, the quarterback situation for the titans obviously ryan Tannehill was there at the minute and um, then drafted will levis in in the draft so um yeah just want to find out from you guys how do you expect this quarterback position to play out with these two maybe perhaps for this year and then in the future um and a question about will levis more specifically are you in or, or are you out on will levis in dynasty um, obviously, been the, his rookie ADP is sort of the back end of, of round one. That's pick 12. Are you happy to take your shares of, of Will Levis there, or, or are you passing him up? I've generally been passing him up. I'm probably a little bit lower um, than consensus, as most of the people at Player Profiler on Will Levis. I just think that there's more quality in the back end of, of the first round that are going to have better hit rates. I understand the the positional need and the scarcity of the quarterback spot, but... I think Will Levis is the kind of guy that's more of like a going to end up being like a purgatory player where he's not really going to elevate your team. Uh, I'd rather take uh, another rookie and then take cheaper shots on my QB2 position, um, you know, in terms of my Superflex Dynasty teams. I'm the exact opposite, Theo. I have. <laughs> I know. Been... Maddie's, Maddie's on it. Maddie's on it. <laughs> I have been attacking the discount of. I've had a few kind of QB needy super flex teams. And, and in rookie drafts, he's falling 108, 109, 110. And I've been able to jump into the back half of that first round to grab him. Uh, I just, I think his arm talent is truly special. He was the third most athletic tight end in the uh, quarterback in the class. And the throws we're already seeing, I know it's basketball short season, no shoulder pad season, <laughs> but the flick of the wrist, boys, you can't argue. He looks a little like Aaron Rodgers with that release. Uh, I'm probably more optimistic than I should be considering the NFL passed on him the entire first round, but I am taking the discount and I'm hoping that we do get that Jay Cutler type of slinger for the Titans. 
Well, it looks like I'm the tiebreaker then. And sorry, Theo. <laughs> Usually I follow you, but I got to go with Matty Kiwum on this. I'm happy to take him at the end of the first round because of the upside. The arm talent is just so incredible. And if the Titans can get rid of Ryan Tannehill, they will. The problem they're finding is no one wants to take on that contract. But things shift just a little bit post-June 1st in terms of how the money spread out. So I could still see them moving on from Tannehill. And if not... You look at the schedule, they're going to lose to the Saints, they're going to lose to the Chargers, the Browns, the Bengals, the Ravens. They might beat the Colts. They might be 1-5 heading into the bye. At mm. that point, you've got nothing to play for. Do you just put Will Levis in and he starts the final 10 games of the season? Just do enough. I hope Will Levis just does enough to keep Traylon Burks and Chigakonkwo <laughs> shares like yeah, there we go. with, that, point, with yeah. that consolidated target tree. It's going to be uh, those two guys. Uh, you know, I'm excited about those two guys. Um, respect both your guys' opinions. I'll just be a little less than consensus uh, <laughs> with the player profiler staff. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think it's it's like a lot of teams that we, we spoke about. The the QB plays maybe the one thing that we're relying on here to to boost these these weapons that we've got. And obviously, you've mentioned Traylon Burks, the guy that I know I'm really high, and I think Kyle is quite high on as well. So. Um, we're, we're hoping that one of these two guys can can break out and and be the the quarterback to help support um, Traylon Burks moving forward. But um, yeah, you, you mentioned a little bit there, Jack, about you, you think it might be as early as as week seven, maybe that we we see some of of Will Levis. Um, yeah, Theo, Matty, do you do you agree with that? Do you think we can see see him as soon as that, or do I, I do I do think he's going to get an opportunity this season because I think yeah. the team is is kind of headed south. Um, they're, they're headed in the wrong direction and they've got to see what they have in Levis because next year's uh, quarterback class has another set of intriguing guys. So this could mm -hmm. be three straight years that they draft a guy um, if well Levis doesn't pan out. So I think we will get, let's call it an over-under of like seven and a half starts um, mm -hmm. with potential for more if they're that slow at the gate. I, I disagree with Jack a little bit in the sense that I don't think they'll be horrific to start the year i think they'll be pretty bad by their standards but as long as they have a, a healthy derrick henry um they're gonna win enough to kind of keep Tannehill behind center and it just you know until it until they start to kind of uh you know trail away from whoever's leading the afc south most likely jacksonville Vrabel wants to win. That's yeah. one thing I think we all can agree on, that he's not there for a rebuild. He's there to try to turn this team around and win the AFC South. And if Will Levis gives him the best chance to do it, he will put him in, whether it's week one, week seven, or week ten. Whenever he feels that the rookie's ready to get out there and help them win some ball games, Vrabel will pull the trigger. That's what I'm excited about for Levis. They did go out and get one of the best all-around all, all offensive linemen in the draft in round one. That should help keep whatever quarterback up right Derek Henry is a QB's best friend uh, with Levis there I think there's a chance that we do see I think Theo captain at a really good uh, 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 over under that's why he's so sharp Theo why did you have to be so sharp there because I think that's perfect <laughs> in terms of what we should be expect but obviously us, us Levis fans want a, a whole bunch of games yeah absolutely and his good friend Tommy obviously agrees with you as well there he thinks um yeah, why wouldn't you play him at that point? And I, and I tend to agree. I think if the Titans are in a position where it doesn't look like they're going to do anything this year, kind of a little bit like last year where we thought if they didn't hit the, the playoffs, have a chance for the playoffs, we were finally going to see a little bit of Malik Willis. feels similar this year. If they don't quite get into a position of reaching the playoffs, why wouldn't you want to see what you've got in the quarterback you, you've selected? Obviously, selected him quite early as well in the second round. So there's even more draft capital than what they put into Malik Willis as well. So, um, yeah, I fully agree. I think that's probably about where I see it um, happening and, and getting a chance to see 
see Will Levis moving forward. But with that, we'll we'll move on to the running back position because this is the this is the offense basically of the Titans for the last few years. And it'd be rude not to talk a little bit in depth about Derek Henry and, and what he's going to bring for us um, in this upcoming season. It feels like every year we, we say the same thing. This is going to be the year where Derek Henry he falls off a cliff. He, we, we we don't want him in dynasty. We can't rely on a running back getting up there at such a such a high age. He's, he's even past the age cliff. He's, he's still going beyond that. But every year we say this is going to be the end that that it ends. So we're now at a point we're looking at his current ADPs going around the, the RB20 price tag. If you are a contending team, are you happy to pay that price knowing full well that this is it? You're holding him for the rest of his career if you do take him at that price tag because you're never going to get that kind of return on investment back um, moving forward. So yeah, where are you guys on, on Derek Cameron? Would you be willing to, to pay that price? Depending on how you build the rest of your team in the startup, I would be willing to take a shot on the big dog because you're going to get tremendous amount of volume uh, for at least for this season. And I think that there's a a hidden path for him gaining value for next year. There was rumors about a trade. Mm -hmm. I think if a team makes a serious move for Derrick Henry, then it's it kind of might extend his window. Um, there's been some kind of the one big the one big outcome for them kind of punting everything this this offseason besides Tajay Spears and, and the offensive line is that he has a little bit more uh, receiving upside than he has in past years, just based on necessity, based of lack of, of quality targets there. So like Derrick Henry, every year he gets cheaper, and every year his fantasy points per game are right there. So mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't overpay, and I definitely wouldn't reach. But if you've built a, a starting, you know, you're talking about running back 20, so you're talking about in a, in a non-super flex startup, maybe a sixth-round valuation, uh, if I've built, you know, my first five picks with some quality youth and guys with upside and guys with a lot of years ahead of them, then I might push the chips in and draft uh, Derrick Henry and kind of go for it in year one. Yeah, if you've if those first five picks in the startup suggest that you should try for winning right away, get that money in year one, Derrick Henry's a good sixth-round pick. Also, if you're a contender and you don't roster him, I think it's okay to pay uh, some of the prices that I've seen. Looking at the trade finder on playerprofiler.com, I'm seeing Johan Dotson trade for him. And I'm big on Johan Dotson. I think he has a lot of uh, really, really good seasons ahead of him. But if I'm a contender and I do have that extra receiver depth, that's a trade I'm looking to make. So given what I'm seeing on the market, if you are a contender, I would buy Derrick Henry because you look at his performance profile and it hasn't really started falling off that cliff yet. Fifth innovative tackles last year, top 10 in breakaway runs. He had the third most total yards created. He's still an absolute beast and he's called the king for a reason. So if you're trying to get that crown, you could definitely use the king. Yeah, I was a little bit worried heading into last year because he was coming off the broken foot. And he proved that he's just a superhuman. He, it doesn't matter yeah, he's with Derrick Henry. He's going to see 250-plus carries. He's going to see work in the receiving game. They don't have the weapons to not use him as a receiver. Now, Tajay Sharp, he'll mix in a little bit as well. But he's a bell cow, and we just don't have that many bell cows in the NFL anymore. We don't have that many players getting 250-plus carries. It just isn't the way it works anymore. So, yeah, if you are a contending team... Derrick Henry very well could carry you along the way because the Titans kind of need him to. They're kind of desperate to feed him the ball and dr drown out the clock. Yeah, no, I think even more so than ever, maybe as well. If they if they then lean on Will, Will Levis, you kind of want a 
protect the quarterback a little bit. And I think yep. you do see a point where they're, they're really leaning on Derek Henry, not asking too much from Will Levis early on. Obviously, they want to see what they've got him in their quarterback. But I think at the same time, you've got to then use Derek Henry as, as being, he's been the guy for, for years. I mean, it, it's not like it's going to be something out of the ordinary, but I do feel like, yeah, Derek Henry, no matter what the situation, I feel like he's going to, he's going to feast again. And like you mentioned, Jack, it felt like when he was coming off that injury, that felt like the real, but I know I've said that a lot of us have said, this is the year that Derek Henry falls off. But when he's coming off that real bad injury as well, it was like, yeah, th- guaranteed this is it for Derek Henry. And yet he comes back, <laughs> proves us all wrong, makes us all look stupid. I mentioned yeah. earlier, he's like the Tom yeah. Brady of running backs. I mean, you keep saying this is going to be the end and he keeps coming back and proving us wrong, making us all look stupid. So yeah, I think Derek Henry still somebody that if I'm a contending team, I'm more than happy to have on my team. I mean, why wouldn't you want a guy that's locked in RB1 in, in fantasy, giving you top 12 production from the position pretty much every year. So, um, yeah, fully agree with that. But, Ali, there is another running back in this backfield where we've kind of mentioned his name already. Do you want to ask the guy some some questions on the new rookie running back that's joining Derek Henry? Yeah, Tajay Spears. So he's a guy that, um, yeah, I really like coming out this this rookie class. Um, so, just for, for you lads, how much for concern is is the missing ACL reports on, on Tajay Spears? Um, what do you see his role being in this offense as well? Um, and then in terms of his ADP, sort of a late second right now, is that where you're happy to take him in your, in your rookie drafts or is that just a bit too high for you and you'd pass and, and take a different running back? We have been very high on Tajay Spears at Player Profiler pretty much all offseason. Uh, we really, really got excited during the Senior Bowl I personally got excited uh, during the two-lane season. If you look at his box scores, whenever they played a big, meaningful game or a top 25-type opponent, the guy went nuts. Um, he put that team on its back. They had a historical year. They won the Rose Bowl over USC. And then he weighed in over 200 pounds at his pro day. He ran well. And the Titans don't really seem to have too much concern about his, his health. So I don't think we should. And we all talk about the red flags with Derrick Henry. As much as we love him, he's getting older. Uh, you know, he's had injuries in the past. Tajay Spears should be viewed as one of the most valuable handcuffs in football in a redraft sense. And in a dynasty sense at Player Profiler, we take a three-year window when we look at, at, at dynasty assets. And I think people get caught up in, you know, how is this guy going to be for his career? With running backs, never stay too loyal. Uh, have a three-year window, and I think over the next three years, Tajay Spears has multiple paths to success. Uh, and there's also a chance, we talked about the lack of weapons, that Tajay Spears becomes like a 10-touch-a-week guy with the occasional spike week where he could end up helping your team out right away. So I think he's got multiple paths. Second round is, is a great place to take him. Um, I certainly have taken him a number of times in my rookie drafts. Late second is certainly fair range, um, but if he's going to go in the late second, I haven't really been grabbing him because in the late second, I'm willing to take a tank, Bigsby, clean up whatever tight ends are left over, or if uh, Marvin Mims somehow is miraculously there, I'm also a little extra high on a tank Dell, so I've been looking to even take him at the end of the second. But if I have an early third and Spears is there, I will pull the trigger because like Theo said, what he did at Tulane in their biggest games it's special. And if as long as that knee can hold up, none of us here can exactly predict when that knee will be right, when it won't. So you just have to bet on the talent, and the kid's super talented. What he did to USC in their bowl game was truly, truly special. So if I if he falls to the third, I'm taking him, but I do have a few slightly uh, different preferences at the end of the second. But that's certainly fair value. 
Marvin Mims over Tajay Spears, though, for the record. That's uh, oh, Maddie. Sure. Maddie, <laughs> Maddie, you're you're absolutely right on that one. Marvin Mims is yeah. the man. I needed to, I needed you to agree with me somewhere, Theo. 100%, so if Maddie. I thought I threw the olive branch out there, something very easy for you to grab for me, you'd be like, "Yep, now we're see, now we're back on it. Maybe we're back. We're right. back. Maybe we're, we're back. Good, we're back. We're in lockstep." Yeah, I, I, I am in on Tajay Spears. Again, it, there are players like Marvin Mims I like better. But remember last year, Dontrell Hilliard was a thing for a couple games. He had three games over 10 fantasy points. He was the RB7 in week one. 21.9 PPR points. Ridiculous. So there will be some spike weeks with Tajay Spears. He won't have true standalone value where you're actually confident starting him. But when we get into the bye weeks, you might be forced to, and you could do a hell of a lot worse than Tajay Spears with that receiving profile. And again, with the knee, Titans aren't worried about it. Since we matter, or since we care about the three-year projections, if we compare him to Jay Ajahi, he got more than three years. So if that's what I'm looking at, I don't care about the knee. Yeah, no, I think you've all absolutely hit the nail on the head with, in terms of Dynasty, we're obviously playing in a three-year window. I think that's what a lot of people tend to to look at Dynasty for. So why are we, why are we so scared about this ACL injury and it's, uh, the, the lack of ACL, should I say? And it's not like he's coming off this ACL injury. I mean, we've seen what he did in his final year in college and the guy looks amazing. We've seen the clips all over Twitter. We've seen what he's, he's done at the Combine. So I don't understand why there's so much so much negativity around this ACL thing when we're only looking at this three-year window anyway. We've seen what he's done that the, the, the year just gone by. So I'm not too sure why everyone's getting super concerned by this. Like you mentioned, Jack, as well, the Titans putting in draft capital into him as well and selecting him in, in the third round shows that they're not too worried either. They obviously feel like he's going to be a good complementary piece to, to Derek Henry. So, yeah, I'm fully with you guys. I think he's somebody that I'm taking advantage of any kind of injury, negativity around him, any kind of discount I'm getting on this injury. I'm, I'm taking advantage of that. And Ali, I know you've you've mentioned it a few times on Twitter that you feel you've got him at some great value in your, your rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him slip. I mean, I got him at the 304 in my rookie draft the other day. So That's nice. that was uh, that was insane value. I've, I've taken him in the mid-second. I mean, I do think that as these guys play on a three-year window, I think it's absolutely fine for a three-year window. And I think, as you've mentioned, that you shouldn't be looking any further ahead with a running back anyway. Um, and I do think Charger Spears, I think, is an underrated receiver as well. I think he can have um, a bit of pass, pass catching work um, in that offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about him. He also yeah. brings such a different set of skills to this running yeah. back room. You look at Haskins, Julius Chestnut. Those are the other names in the running back room, and they're just kind of grinder types. They're not really explosive. Spears has that maneuverability, and he just has a whole different satellite skill set that could be utilized uh, like those other guys just simply don't have. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. Obviously, I mentioned that the clips that you see all over Twitter, I tweeted one out that that point where he looks like he's, he's making a jump going. It looks like a glitch in a, a Madden game. Yeah. He, he, his jump move is that crazy. It feels like it can't humanly be possible. And I mean, he's got no ACL and he's making these kind of moves. So yeah, I'm not too worried about the, the ACL thing. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see how he does compliment Derek Henry moving forward. But we spoke about the, the running backs. We've got to move on to, to the wide receivers. We've already mentioned his name um, already on, on this show. And it's Traylon Burke. Um, I think many were disappointed with the, the rookie season, but I think there's a lot of reasons why it was a bit of a disappointment. I think the one thing nobody nobody really talks about too much is the injuries, the fact that he dealt with that, that turf toe. That can be an injury that, that can wipe out people for nearly a full season. So he came back. He was on crutches, I believe, after the, the injury. So the fact that he came back, was able to, to put up some production in his, in his rookie season, I think was actually a positive and maybe something people are, are overlooking. 
Um, was going as the wide receiver 14 back at, uh, last year in May after after he was selected in, in the NFL draft. But now he's fallen down to around the wide receiver 23 mark, despite there being very little change in terms of the competition he's now dealing with. And if anything, he's potentially got an upgrade at quarterback. We've just spoke about Will Levis coming in. So I just want to know from you guys, is he somebody that you're, you're willing to now buy low on in terms of his value taking, taking that drop? Or do you think now he's actually where he should have maybe been valued when he came in as a rookie? I think if anybody wants to sell uh, Traylon Burks in Dynasty right now, you should be jumping at it. He's He screams uh, year two breakout wide receiver. Like people, we get so spoiled in the fact that we've seen guys like Jamar Chase and, and Jalen Waddle and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year break out as rookies. Like the year two breakout is still a massive thing in Dynasty. And Traylon Burks also really flashed. He got injured on a ridiculous touchdown catch in the first quarter that probably would have been like a 30-point PPR game. I would have been his statement game of the year. And the guy looked like Des Bryant on that catch, and he comes down with it. Like, <laughs> Traylon Burks is like a proper alpha in terms of his size and his potential to be used all over the field. You can line up at the slot. You can line him up outside. He has potential to take on a massive target share. I think that he's like a sneaky bet to get over 25% target share this year. It's as gross as it is. Robert Woods and Austin Hooper had 35% of the total targets last year. Like it's disgusting to even say it. And those two guys are out of there. So at the end of the day, it's like we heard all these rumors that, that the Titans were going to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. And if they did that, they would have told you something about Traylon Burks, but they chose to address the offensive line instead with JSN still on the board, because I think they really believe in Burks. They spent a tremendous amount of draft capital on him last year, and he was the like-for-like -like replacement for A.J. Brown. So they have a lot invested in this pick. He was a little bit slow out the gate. He has the Hadley asthma and all the things he kind of dealt with. Um, but I think he's a, he's a massive value right now. If your league mates are looking to sell him, uh, he's a great pivot. And if you put him in context to this rookie wide receiver class, and you start really just breaking it down, I think, you know, Traylon Burks looks even better. So I'm I'm big on Traylon Burks. I have a lot of Traylon Burks. And I think that a lot of, I would say, sharp dynasty managers are, are sitting on Traylon because they know that the potential spike will come this year. If you want to sell Traylon Burks, wait till midseason because he's going to get a tremendous amount of targets. Traylon is starting to get a track record of disappointing that is starting to really concern me. First of all, he supposedly needed to have some custom gloves made for his mitts, but then he had 50 percentile hands. Sky Moore, who's not anywhere near his size, had bigger hands than Traylon Burks. Then he goes on the podium and says, boys, get ready. I am going to melt the 40. 455 is not exactly melting the 40, but... But we have week 11 in 2022, 18 <laughs> routes run, 18 fantasy points scored. And the price has gotten to the point where you have to buy Traylon because his skill set is that tantalizing. And if I'm going to sit on this very show, this excellent show that you guys put together and say that I'm believing in Will Levis, well, Will Levis will only go as high as Traylon Burks can help him because he's going to need that alpha to truly ascend to a level where I think he can get to. So I'm going to buy Will Levis, and I'm also going to buy Traylon Burks. Ab yeah, you have to. You absolutely have to. Maddie mentions that game against Green Bay. He catches 7 of 8 for 111 
yards, 18.1 PPR points. That was his first time ever being a wide receiver one in fantasy. The next week against the Bengals, he puts up 17 PPR points, 70 yards on four grabs. Then he gets the concussion against the Eagles on that insane grab. It was the start of a breakout. It was truly, that was going to be the crescendo of this guy has arrived. Instead, misses the next week. His first game back, he goes 0 for 2, which you expect that. Coming off a concussion, it's a serious injury. And then against the Cowboys, week 17, 55 yards, four grabs, 12.6 PPR points. That's good enough. Again, coming off a concussion, Traylon Burks, if he hadn't suffered that concussion, the narrative would be completely different. Yeah, no, fully agree. As I said, I'm, I'm a guy that's that's really been into Traylon Burks since he came in as a, a prospect. When he was a prospect, it felt like he was one of those you either love him or hate him kind of prospects. A lot of people lame, label him as, as the potential bust out of the, the wide receiver class that, that he was involved in and kind of linking back to, to that wide receiver class. Obviously, we've got guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. They're the, the hot names at this moment in time in, in terms of dynasty. Both of them are top 10 dynasty picks in terms of the wide receiver position. And Theo, I know you, you mentioned it at the start there, but do you think Traylon Burks can actually get up to that kind of range where we're seeing guys like Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave go? Do you believe enough in, in this time that you think you can reach those kind of heights that, that those two players are at, at this moment in time? No, I think that those guys are in a, in a separate tier um, than Traylon. And they're also just, I think that that's kind of a, a like an like an unreasonable kind of expectation for him. I think that those two guys are, you know, we're treating them as wide receiver ones in terms of their dynasty value now. I think Traylon's going to settle in as a wide receiver too, though. Like where he's priced now, I think there is room for him to grow, but... I think if you're trying to chase Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I think that's going to be a difficult one uh, kind of to overcome. But I do think that last year's rookie class of wide receivers is a very, very special one. And I think in a few years, we're going to look back, back and say that that class of 2022 was excellent. Look at all these guys with all these multiple wide receiver one and wide receiver two seasons. Um, and Traylon will certainly be mentioned as a success. Yeah. Matt and Jack, do you feel that the same way as, as Theo? Oh yeah, I think you pretty much touched on pretty pretty spot on there. Yeah, no, I fully agree, and I think it, like like Theo said, I think this is one of those situations where you look back in a few years' time, and you might have been the wide receiver three, four out of this class, but when you look at the actual quality of the class of, of wide receivers that came into the NFL, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And yeah, I think that that class is going to be special, and one that we look back on and and say that was a really special wide receiver class. Um, despite the fact that actually when when they came in as prospects, maybe people thought that the wide receiver class wasn't as strong as as what it's turning into be. But um, yeah, definitely a guy that, that I'm excited to see how it develops moving forward. As we mentioned with, with Will Levis and another guy that came into the NFL last year was obviously the tight end for, for the Titans. So Ali, what's your questions for the guys? Yeah, so here at the Wildcard, we're big Chigakonku fans. Um, Good. So. For you guys, <laughs> is this is this a year where he can make that leap and be a, a top 10 dynasty asset? We know he's fantastic, athletic, tight end. Um, or would you rather sell a, a conquer as he approaches that? Sort of if he does get top 10 hype, would you be selling him? Or are you are you fans where you can see him making a leap? And, and what is the ceiling for, for Chica Conquer? I mean, you hate to say the word like George Kittle year two. But if there is a year two tight end that could just go nuts, it's Chickaconquo because we have, in order for a tight end to really crush, you need to be either the number one or number two target in your offense. He certainly could be that this year. Uh, he had a ridiculous yards per route run 
uh, success rate last year, where it was like, it was insane. It was like top 10 over the last 10 years for, for, and he was up there with names like Kittle and Mandrews uh, and Gronk made that list too. So like a Conquo tight ends for, that are drafted on day three do hit. Those guys can hit. And a Conquo looks like the next one to me. There's obviously an argument in dynasty theory that if a guy gets steamed up to a certain point, you're going to cash out. And that's usually like if you do that en- enough times, you're going to end up looking smart, you know, over the years. But it would be tough for me to sell uh, Chigakonkwo low. I have a lot of Chigakonkwo shares on my dynasty teams. I moved one Chigakonkwo share in a in a trade to acquire Cooper Cup, like as a as a two for one. Um, and I think if you're going to use you're going to trade Chig, you better be walking away with like a like a Teflon can't miss type asset. Um, because he's certainly got a lot of juice. Uh, I think the other pivot you could make is if you think that you could move Chig to get maybe a, a higher pedigreed tight end that maybe one of the rookies in this class, I think that's a kind of a proper move. But, man, it's it's hard to move him. Don't sell him cheap because Chigakonkwa has big-time, big-time potential this year. He's a hyper-athlete in a situation where he's going to be a top-two target. And, like, these are the kind of guys that end up with potentially double digit touchdown catches. And he also has big playability for the tight end spot. So uh, I'm, I'm very high on Chig. Theo, man, I agree with you wholeheartedly here with Chig. And in dynasty theory that you brought up too, when guys get steamed up, you do want to sell at their high point. But the one exception, not really exception, but the one caveat to that rule is the tight end position because at, it just becomes such a dumpster fire. So unless you're getting yourselves one of the top five, six, seven tight ends in fantasy, those bona fide studs, like why would you move Chig plus to get a Dolchich when Dolchich has his own red flags? He has his own questions to answer where Chig, super athlete, like Theo said, very efficient in his performance profile last year. Number one in yards per route run at the qualified tight end position. Number two in yards per target. Number one in yards per reception. So if the volume goes up for this player, the fantasy points will follow. So I'm holding on to Chig anywhere that I do have him. I'm trying to buy into Chig if possible. Uh, matter of fact, I actually sold my, my – I had a, a team that's kind of in that productive struggle type of uh, uh of its of its uh what do you call it it's evolution so it kind of is a stinker i guess you could say but i had mark <laughs> andrews i traded andrews for chigakonku in a 2023 uh first and i was able to cash in there so I, that's how high i am on a conku yeah and rightfully so the guy is just an athletic freak he is a monster the one stat you didn't mention led all tight ends in yards after catch per reception he averaged almost eight yards after he caught the football every time he caught it the guy is just a freak he's a stud and yes you do want to get out on those kinds of tight end well sorry you want to get out on tight ends when they kind of pop unless they can stay as that difference maker and i think chig actually can he can actually be the wide receiver one the wide receiver two in his offense year after year after year much like the guy that was just behind him dallas goddard And if he's Dallas Goddard, you're probably not going to sell him because you're never going to get the true value that he deserves. And so you're just stuck with him, and that's a good place to be in. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like Ali mentioned at the top, we're we're both big fans of of Chig, and I do have quite a few shares of him in in Dynasty, but I'm going to hold my hands up and say, 
not a lot of it was down to, to my process of evaluating prospects coming in because Chica Conco really wasn't somebody that I was that high on in terms of his production in college at Maryland. Obviously, I think he only had around 700 receiving yards in, in, in the three full years that he played there. But it was those testing numbers that really drew my eye to him. In fantasy, that's some, some kind of prospect I always look towards at the tight end position. If, if you've got an athletic tight end, that feels to me like a, a more of a safer bet in terms of fantasy, a little bit like Jelani was last year. He was another guy that I took a few shots at because he is so athletic and what he can bring to, to an offense if it does hit. So I kind of looked into to having a lot of chigging in a way, but at the same time, I absolutely love the guy now. Seeing what he's, he's been able to do with the, the Titans has, has been awesome. And I think moving forward, he's, he's in a very similar situation to, to last year. So I'm really excited to what Chica Conco can do in this offense moving moving into to this season. But with that, we, we'll move on to, to now the other team in this this conference, and it's the, the Colts. And this is a team that's getting a lot of buzz at, at this moment in time. And the main reason for that is the quarterback, obviously, that they're selected in, in the NFL draft. This is a, a name that's been touted around all off-season leading up to the NFL draft. It's obviously Anthony Richardson and yeah, I mean, what an amazing thing for him to, to be selected so early. There was rumours that he was maybe going to be one of these quarterbacks that, that slid in the NFL draft. Some people were saying it could be a little bit like the Malik Willis experiment. And then, to me, that was crazy hearing those kind of things mentioned on, on Twitter. But it's, it was great to see him get such good draft capital. But not just that, the, the landing spot as well. The, the fact that he's, he's linking up with the, the Colts and, and what they've got over there and, and the coaching staff. This feels like the perfect storm for, for Anthony Richardson. Um, so I just want to know what you guys think of him as a prospect. Obviously, a lot of people are saying he's, he's pretty raw and it feels like at this moment in time, he's going to have to be the start of week one. Some people said they was kind of hoping he could maybe sit behind a quarterback, maybe develop a little bit more, but it feels like he's going to be the, the week one starter. Obviously, Gardner Minshew's got his fans in in the Twitter circle, <laughs> but I feel like you've got to start Richardson with the, the draft capital they invested in him. So do you think he is the start of week one for a kickoff? And and what what's your expectations for him year one in fantasy? So I do think he's the starter in year one. And I think for fantasy purposes, he is going to potentially be a, a QB one this year. He's going to finish mm -hmm. inside the top 12 because his rushing ability is so special. Uh, we had Scott Barrett on fantasy. Uh, we, we have, we had a Scott Barrett on first class fantasy this week and it wasn't a Scott Barrett quote, but uh, Scott, Scott Barrett likes to say he's like Vernon Davis athletically with a cannon. It's it's wild to think about that sort of level of athlete. He can be a quarterback that makes mistakes in real life football, but we don't play real life football. We play fantasy football. And if the guy's going to be pushing for a thousand rushing yards, he will be a top 12 quarterback this year. I'm extremely high on Anthony Richardson in terms of a dynasty asset. Uh, Shane Steichen, his his coach now um, was with Justin Herbert during his ascent with Jalen Hurts during his ascent. And now he has a, another young quarterback with a, with a lot of tools, a lot of athletic ability, enough around him uh, that we are kind of excited. Like he's next to Jonathan Taylor. They've got Michael Pittman. They've got Josh Downs. You mentioned Jelani Woods. The offensive line took a step back, but it's still not a horrendous offensive line. Uh, so I think that there's a lot to like about Richardson. And I think from Dynasty perspective, where do we are we to value him is a very interesting question because right now I think that you can start taking him as, as high as QB9 overall in Dynasty. We have him at QB12, but it's close uh, at, at our player pro profile or Dynasty rankings. 
Anthony Richardson in Dynasty has to be one of the most coveted assets in terms of <laughs> what his ceiling is, right? I mean, the guy is a freak. Big deal. You you said on the show, Vernon Davis, who has a, a, a laser rocket arm. Yeah. How, how can you not get excited about that possibility? Because <laughs> he is that type of freak athlete. But what I really like about Anthony Richardson is all of the buzz about what's above the shoulders. This kid, they keep saying he interviews well. He carries himself well. He's the guy in the room demanding, commanding even, everyone's attention and respect. Kind of along the lines of what we heard about Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. It took him some time to get in into the quarterback position and really take off, where Richardson could be the quarterback in week one. But I do want to say one thing that I am being a little cautious of for redraft purposes, I'm taking Richardson late if he's there because I think the upside is just too tantalizing. But let me remind you, in 2018, Lamar Jackson's rookie year, he played in 16 games. He only had 10 points per game. He had 11 or 1,200 passing yards, and he did have just near 700 rushing yards. So he was very effective as a rusher in his rookie season and didn't really uh, score a whole lot of touchdowns. So it's a little bit of a negative touchdown uh, regression potential. Uh, so maybe that is not uh, as predictable. But at the same time, there is a, a, some you know a precedent set of just being a little bit cautious in your redraft formats. But in Dynasty, it's wheels up on this kid. Well, with Lamar, he was – kind of that wildcat guy to start his career. I don't think that'll be the case case with Richardson. Even Gardner Minshew is talking about how he's just got it. Gardner yes. Minshew knows he's going to start week one. Everyone knows the Colts have a whole PR plan. It is clear that they've built this plan. He's getting all this hype he, today. There's videos of him in that five Jersey for the first time. He looks like a stud. They have mapped this out. He will be the week one starter. And if he is, I think the floor you remember Cam Newton for the New England Patriots? He couldn't throw. And Anthony Richardson has a much better arm. But even then, Cam Newton averaged 17.9 points per game. That was the QB 17. That is the absolute floor for Anthony Richardson. And the ceiling is the roof. There's no ceiling. <laughs> yeah. No, completely agree. And it's funny you mentioned about the floor and ceiling because I think a lot of people's argument before the NFL draft was, Anthony Richardson's got this super high ceiling, but the floor's low. And not just not floor low as in during every game the floor is low. I think that the, the floor being low was he might not start in year one. So the floor is you might get no points out of him year one. But I think now the fact that he's, he's landed with the Colts with that sort of draft capital, the competition like you mentioned, Jack, if, if his rival at the QB position is singing his praises, I think that tells us all we need to know that, that Anthony Richardson's looking like a stud right off the bat. And it feels like we've got a consensus here of guys that are all really excited by Anthony Richardson and his dynasty value. So I'm just going to quickly swing it back to, to rookie drafts that are still probably going on for a lot of people at this moment in time. And in Superflex, it feels like for, for months now we've been saying it's Bijan at 101 no matter what it doesn't matter we're taking Bijan 101 now the dust settled a little bit guys are we still there we're still saying Bijan is the 101 or can we now start saying maybe maybe Anthony Richardson should be the 101 in Superflex drafts Bijan Robinson no matter what you can't leapfrog Bijan Robinson fellas and also like we talk about the value of Bijan Robinson. If you're in a super flex draft and you're be a little bit apprehensive about passing on Richardson, then just trade down with the manager at number two and get Anthony Richardson plus you know a, a couple players or draft picks. Because Bijan Robinson, you can 
draft Bijan Robinson and then next year go out and get Caleb Williams or, or Drake May if if you want as well. So there's going to be outs for you, but passing up Bijan Robinson, I mean Bijan Robinson might be a guy a year from now that we're taking at the 101 and redraft a year from now. So it's like yeah. passing on that sort of asset um for a quarterback we're excited about, but we do think there's potential um where he he's not a can't miss then that's that's hard for me to do. I think it's Bijan. Don't overthink it. Just take Bijan. Be happy. You have the one-on-one at Bijan's year. I have yet to have the ability to take anyone but Bijan <laughs> at the one-on-one. The guy is such a freak. But we're talking about Anthony Richardson. And this isn't really my take. This was actually the Podfather's take when he was on the game plan that uh, when it comes to Bijan, if you truly earned that one-on-one, meaning your team is a absolute dud, it might be better processed to go quarterback. He did make the point, and I thought it was fair because we've seen this the, the extreme volatility, health-related mostly, for these running backs. And like a guy like Saquon Barkley, who just came out, blitzkrieged his rookie year, went nuts, got hurt right away in year second. That is probably the only cautionary tale, but even so, Theo's right. Don't overthink it. Bijan <laughs> is a stud. Take Bijan 101. Don't overthink it. That, 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 that's the bottom line. Don't yeah. overthink it. Yeah, no, keep and, it simple, and, stupid. That's what my mom tells me, and I try to do that. With <laughs> yeah, <anything. laughs> yeah, no, and I definitely agree with you. I'm, I'm with the same mind thing. When, when I've got the, the 101 in the rookie drafts that I have done so far, I've had to take Bijan Robinson. The the talent that he's got is it's unbelievable. I think a lot of people, even now, still don't fully understand just how great he's going to be in the NFL. So we don't want to talk too much about Bijan because we're talking about the, the Colts. But my only counterpoint that I would ever make is if both of these guys hit their absolute ceiling. So Anthony Richardson, he absolutely balls out. I think he's got the ability to be the quarterback one in Dynasty. And with that, I feel like in Superflex drafts, you've got to take him at the 101 in startups if he does reach that ceiling. So that would be my only counterpoint to that. But I feel like we need a lot of things to go right for, for Anthony Richardson to hit that ceiling. There's risk attached to that. Whereas Bijan, he's already the running back one in, in Dynasty and he's yet to even take a snap in the NFL. So um, that'd be my counter to it. But I fully agree. Risk averse, I'm, I'm taking Bijan, but I mean, it's not like I'm losing out. I'm getting a stud at running back. And, <laughs> and talking of studs at running back, that leads on quite nicely to, to the running back position and, and the Colts running back alley. Um, what's your question for the guys on, on Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, so Jonathan Taylor, is he still a stud? So we talked about Anthony Richardson, Konami Code, quarterback coming in for the Colts. Do you see that as a positive or a negative for, for Jonathan Taylor on, on the Colts? Obviously, we look like there's going to be less passing work, but perhaps a more powered, high-powered offense. There is going to be more scoring opportunities for Jonathan Taylor. Um, and then for you guys, is he still a maybe a top two, top three, top four dynasty running back for you? Jonathan Taylor is absolutely still a stud. Um, but in terms of, I don't think we're going to see the 22 points per game he gave you in year two. I think you've seen his best fantasy season already. I think he'll be better than he was last year. Like last year, he was failed to hit 14 points per game. Um, probably points per game-wise will be a little bit closer to his rookie season. I'd say he's a 17-point-per-game type guy. He's an uh, definitely an elite running back. We haven't seen him ever catch more than 40 passes. I think that would be the concern. Anthony Richardson doesn't strike me as like a dump-down guy where you're going to get those manufactured PPR points. If Jonathan Taylor finishes as the RB1 overall this year in terms of fantasy scoring, uh, it's going to be because he scored an outsized number of touchdowns. I mean, you think back to like the 2019 Lamar Jackson year, how Mark Ingram kind of, you know, out hit his, out hit his weight. Um, 
and had a ton of touchdowns. Like for a player like Jonathan Taylor, that can happen. But then there's also the the devil's uh, advocate uh, argument that Anthony Richardson's going to score a fair amount of touchdowns himself inside the red zone. So Taylor could learn, could lose some of those. So Taylor's been a guy that like in redraft, I'm having trouble taking him where he's going, but in terms of dynasty, just based on the lack of quality at the running back position, I think he's absolutely a top five dynasty running back. You can make an argument for RB two overall. Um, but I think it's closer than it was. Uh, I think that like, you know, last year he was the RB1 overall in Dynasty. I think if Brees Hall would have stayed healthy, Brees Hall could have jumped him. You now have Jameer Gibbs in the mix. Bijan is ahead of him. So he's kind of like at that shaky ground. We talked about, Matty talked about, uh, Matt talking about taking Anthony Richardson. Uh, and Matt, you also referenced that in terms of taking Anthony Richardson. Like if your Dynasty roster is shaky and you have Jonathan Taylor, I might cash out. Um, because there's a chance he loses some value this year. But, you know, he's he's safe. He's a very talented player who's shown it. Super, super talented. I still very much think he is a stud running back. And when it comes to the mobile quarterbacks, does that help or hurt the running back? I think it's kind of a case-by-case basis. I think here in particular, with this type of running back, it helps. It should uh, allow for him to have nice running lanes, given the threat of you know Richardson keeping the ball and going crazy with his legs. In the year that he was uh, running back one overall, he only had 40, only 40 catches. Like Theo said, that was his career high, and that was outside of the top 20 at the running back position. Uh, he had a 10% target share, so he's not really passing dependent either way, but he did score 20 touchdowns. So to Theo's point, he's going to have to do that again. To, to really achieve that running back one overall type of status. Uh, my co-host on the Trade Gods, Jason Allwine, his sell this week was Jonathan Taylor, and his point was he's a stud, but he might be back to peak value. After the acquisition of or the drafting of Anthony Richardson, we have seen him get a little bit more helium, a little bit more hype around him. So if he's back to peak value and you believe you can get you know, a, another really good running back plus or – you know, solve a few problems on your roster. I'm looking to sell if that's the case, but I do believe in the talent, and I still think he's going to be, like Theo said, a very safe uh, producer in fantasy this year. Yeah, he's locked into being an RB1. He's just probably not going to be the RB1 with yeah. the lack of receptions. He lacks that elite, complete game-changer profile. Instead, he's more of a Nick Chubb type, with like a better Nick Chubb, but... That's more of the archetype where he is a mid to back end RB1 instead of a guy that's going to be RB1, RB2, RB3. That being said, in Dynasty, I'd still have him probably RB3. Bijan ahead of him for sure. I think even with the injury, I go, I go Brees Hall over Jonathan Taylor, but it's close. You can go Jameer Gibbs if you want, but I think that's kind of the floor because it would have been Ken Walker if the Seahawks didn't draft Zach Charbonnet, but they did. And so Jonathan Taylor has to be above him now. Yeah, I fully agree with you guys. I think this is obviously Jonathan Taylor's backfield for, for the Colts. And in terms of talent, I think we all agree that he's, he's one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. And you, you've mentioned the point. I think that the issue is he doesn't quite have that elite ceiling because of the, the lack of receptions. And it's not like he's in a situation now where that's going to get any better. Obviously, we've mentioned having the the, the Konami code of, of a quarterback that doesn't really need to, to throw the ball. He won't be dumping the ball off to Jonathan Taylor too much because he's got the ability to, to escape any pressure. But then as well, the coaching staff we mentioned, Shane Steichen coming over. We know 
He was obviously the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. They ranked bottom in terms of, of, of running back receptions and, and targets. So we've kind of got a, an already a sample size of what we can expect from, from this offense, looking at the, the running backs, how they're used with a, a quarterback that's mobile, obviously having Jalen Hurts in, in Philadelphia. So I feel like we're, we're we're sadly not going to get that elite ceiling that that we maybe hoped we would get from him when he came in as a, as a prospect because we know that he can he can catch the ball and he's, he's definitely capable of that. I just feel like we're not going to get that opportunity for him with the with the Colts. But like Matty mentioned, I think having having Anthony Richardson as a quarterback that's going to open up some lanes for him. We see it with guys like J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson. When a defense knows they've got to think about the running back and the quarterback that's actually a positive for, for the running back. So I think he's going to see some more production in, in terms of his rushing. I do worry he's going to lose some touchdowns and it's a shame we're not going to see him used a little bit more in the receiving game. But as a whole, I think he's he's super talented. And I think you're all right in saying that he's still, for me, a top four or five running back in, in terms of dynasty. But we spoke about the, the running back position long enough, so we'll move on to to the wide receiver. And the guy that's been the the number one for the Colts now for, for the last couple of years is, is Michael Pittman. He's really established himself as that mid, mid-tier mid wide receiver too in, in terms of, of fantasy uh, the last couple of years. But now obviously we know we've got a different type of quarterback coming in with Anthony Richardson and, and the skill set that he brings. So I want to know what's your feelings on on Pittman. Did you like him as a prospect? Have you liked what you've seen from him from the first couple of years? But are you now maybe concerned with the quarterback coming in and Anthony Richardson? And do you think maybe we're at a point where we should be looking to move on from Michael Pittman? His, his ADP is around that wide receiver. 22 range so yeah what are you looking to do with Pittman right now in dynasty so Pittman's I think a very good football player I think he's shown it um but in terms of as a dynasty asset he's kind of a purgatory player this year where he could hit wide receiver two value but I don't see any path to wide receiver one land there's there's an argument to be made that his target share is going to increase this year He's been a very, very predictable player the last two years. Um, his his target share has been right around 25% for back-to-back seasons. And he's finished as wide receiver 22 and wide receiver 21 in points per game for back-to-back years. So it's difficult when a guy's like 26 years old to kind of move on from that. But there's the tunnel vision argument where the, the target share goes up. But he could potentially have his target share increase and he could still uh, fail to produce as many as many fantasy points per game. So I don't know. For me, I think Michael Pittman is the kind of guy that I would potentially like to pivot to. I had one league where I pivoted to Jordan Addison from Michael Pittman just because I think that there's a little bit more ceiling with a guy like Addison in that passing offense. Uh, but, I mean, Pittman is certainly not a bad player. I just think you need to manage your expectations. If you have him as your wide receiver three and you're putting him in your flex – Every week I know I'm going to get a, a, a high amount of, of targets relative to the offense, and there's a chance that he's going to hit his points per game average again this year. But I don't think that he has that ceiling where there's a couple guys you could kind of move on from Pittman and get that might provide that really, really exciting ceiling that I don't see with Pittman in this offense. I love Pittman's athletic profile. I love him as a prospect, but he's super league dependent on how you should – go about uh you know buying or selling if you are if you have the chance to buy at a wide receiver two or three price i'm buying definitely uh but if you're able to sell at a wide receiver one price i'm also probably looking to move on but in his three years in the nfl he's played with a washed up philip rivers uh carson wentz and matt ryan when he was basically post thanos snap so he was complete pile of dust 
And he still averaged 836.7 receiving yards over his first three seasons. So he's a producer, and how he produces is he's very good at winning routes. He had 248 total route wins last year. That was first amongst qualified wide receivers. He had a 54.3% route win rate, which is top three, and he was also top 10 in win rate versus man coverage. So he's able to beat defenders and, and beat opposing corners. One thing I did a little bit of research and I was trying to dig into to Michael Pittman's profile a little bit is I noticed one thing with receivers that are attached to rushing quarterbacks. In 2022, uh, the receivers that played with top 10 rushing quarterbacks had a 10.1 average target distance and a 7.5 uh, average yards per target. So they're able to get the ball downfield. Last year, Michael Pittman was 6.9 a dot in a 6.6 average yards per target. And I think if those metrics kind of regress to that 10 points or seven and a half points there, I think we could see him truly produce. He's got the skill set to haul in a bunch of touchdowns. He's big. We've seen him moss fools. So I do like him as a prospect, but it really comes down to that price point. If I can buy for at a wide receiver two or three price, I'm buying. And if I can also sell at a wide receiver one price, Theo's right. The the, the ceiling for him to get to a wide receiver one type of year in uh, Anthony Richardson's first year seems like a kind of a steep idea. So it really depends on your league. But I do like him as a player overall. Great real-life football player. I don't know how great he will be in fantasy, though. Looking at the dynasty rankings, he's behind the – the really good guys that are kind of up there like Devonte Adams and Cooper cup and Stefan Diggs, So he could maybe pass some of those guys, but at the same time, would anyone be surprised if George Pickens ends up passing him? Jahan Dotson, Christian Kirk, Zay flowers. These kinds of guys could end up passing Pittman as well. So I think the wide receiver 22, 24 range is where he fits. He's better than that in real life, but we're not talking about real life. We're talking about <laughs> fantasy football and being great in real life doesn't actually matter that much in fantasy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think yeah, you're all spot on with that. It's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out with, with Pittman and in this offense moving into 2023, but there is some other options there at the wide receiver position. So Ali, I'll hand it back over to you to, to ask the guys some questions on these other wide receivers in, in this Colts offense. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting guys. Alec Pierce is a guy that I've I've always sneakily liked. I and mean, then they they drafted Josh Downs this this off season. So um yeah, just at the the prices, Josh Downs at wide receiver 45 and Alec Pierce wide receiver 60 a bit later on. Um which of these guys do you prefer straight up for for cost? Um and are you are you in on any of these two guys? Are you in on both or are you in on neither of these guys? So if I had a choice of rostering one on a dynasty roster, it would be Downs. Um, I think Pierce is like a, a super athlete. I think he's going to be end up becoming a kind of a, a better and best ball type guy um, long term in his career. Stylistically, Pierce has a shot this year because a lot of times, uh, you know, Matt referenced the running lanes for the for the running backs with the scrambling quarterback, but you also have potential for for deep passes. Um, for taking shots over the top to keep defenses honest. And, and Alec Pierce kind of profiles that way with Pittman and Downs winning uh, underneath a little bit more. Downs was a mega producer in college. He profiles more as like a slot receiver. but I and, and the round three quarterbacks have really not been hitting over the last few years. But I think Downs is going to have a more productive NFL career in terms of the guy, the guy caught over 90 balls for back-to-back -back seasons at UNC. 
they seem to be very high on him. He's got like a little bit of like a like a like a parking lot narrative, like him and him and Anthony Richardson <laughs> yeah. are out there slinging in the parking lot and they won. So we'll we'll throw that. That's a new narrative out there, but they seem to like each other. And I think that the the Colts uh, need a receiver like Downs. But I don't know. I'm not thrilled about either. But give me Downs. Ah, I'm with you there. I'm going to go with Downs of the two. Dude, balled out in college he had back-to-back thousand yard seasons with two different quarterbacks uh but what we're really talking here is a ceiling of the fourth probably offensive weapon on the team behind taylor richardson and Pittman, second highest in the passing hierarchy uh that's kind of the ceiling for josh downs and with a rookie with the parking lot narrative you know it is narrative season and i am a person who can be swayed by narratives um i think some people call that dumb dumb but that i don't want to be called a dumb dumb on the show i'm not <laughs> but i am susceptible to the narrative and i think if i'm gonna bet on a receiver to kind of get into that conversation uh, of fantasy relevant i think it's the the rookie that can kind of grow with the fellow rookie running uh, quarterback uh they can kind of develop and over the middle of the field targets seem to be a rookie quarterback's best friend so if i had to pick of the two give me downs but at the same time the nfl told us how they felt about josh downs jordan addison was a similar body style but he went round one because he's a baller Josh Downs was a baller as we thought because he did it in college, but falling all the way to the midpoint of the third round kind of tells us that because he underwhelmed given his size at the combine with his workout metrics, maybe we should temper our expectations on Downs. Yeah, Theo is actually the one that swayed me on Downs the most. We have a quote graphic that it's he's going to be really, really good in real life. He's going to be a phenomenal real NFL player. But the path to ever being a wide receiver too in fantasy football, I just, I don't see it. And so he will have wide receiver two weeks. He'll be like a Jamison Crowder type where he's a steady wide receiver three. He'll give you some wide receiver two weeks, but you're never going to be super excited about playing Josh Downs. And that's okay. We need those types of players. We just have to be realistic that not every wide receiver is going to go for a thousand yards every year of their career. He's got to flip Michael Pittman to have real value. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the yeah. path, and that's yeah. a that's a tough task. Yeah, no, no, definitely, I fully agree with that. And obviously, we spoke a little bit there about the wide receivers, so we've got a few minutes left. So we'll we'll quickly touch on on the tight end position. And to me, this feels like a, a really crowded tight end room. Obviously, we've got Jelani Woods, who I mentioned earlier, Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Grace, and obviously they, they picked up Will Maller as well in in the NFL draft. To me, it feels like Jelani Woods is the one guy out of these that I'd pick to to take that step forward. I've seen some some articles quite recently, some some blurbs that, that they're looking to get Jelani Woods more involved. We know that, that he was this athletic tight end coming in to the NFL, but really raw. We didn't really see too much from him as a prospect. So my question is more focused on, on Jelani Woods. And obviously we know the tight end position in, in Dynasty. When you get behind those elite guys at the very top, it becomes a real mess at the tight end position. So is Jelani Woods somebody that you may be looking to, to target as that late round dart throw in, in Dynasty? And we obviously talk a lot about rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, they tend to, to rely a lot on these short yardage targets and Jelani Woods obviously fits into to that role. Is he somebody that you're, you're looking to grab later on in your drafts as a, a dart throw at this mess of a position? I think that the fact that with the new coach in town, the fact that it's, it's so crowded in the tight end position also kind of creates a little bit of a value situation yeah. because he's not going to use all four of them. And Jelani Woods would be the one that you'd want to bet on. Jelani Woods is a beast. He's athletically gifted and he's got great size. And like you mentioned, in terms of red zone production, Jelani Woods is the kind of guy that could end up with 
you know, six plus touchdown catches. And the tight end position is so ugly that this is the kind of guy you do want to take a shot on. And he's being drafted at a place where this year's rookie class of tight ends is so good that it's kind of devalued him even more. So, yeah, certainly take shots on Jelani Woods. He's the one I would bet on from this group. I'm not super psyched to get Woods as my tight end two even, but I'm very willing to bring him aboard as my third tight end as kind of a hope, wait, and see guy. Very dominant in college, so we love to see that out of our, uh, out of our tight ends. If you hop in the time machine and go back a year, he was the athletic freak of the class. This year we had like four of them, so it's kind of like Theo said, pushed him aside, but he was the number one athletic tight end according to our player profile athleticism score last year. He was the ninth most athletic prospect in the entire class, and he's a top 10 tight end athlete of all time according to our athleticism score. So he was that freak just a year ago, has the early third round draft capital, so there are some positive signs here, but again, rookie quarterback, has a lot to do on his legs, how far down the passing hierarchy are we willing to get excited about like i said if i can grab him as my tight end three he's the exact guy i want at that part of you know my bench that's where you have to value him he could become a tight end two he'll have tight end one weeks because all it takes to be a tight end one is three receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown <laughs> that puts you in a tight end one category so that's fine there's already rumors that they're going to cut kylan granson and if that happens, it's going to mean more snaps and more receptions for Jelani Woods. But again, low volume passing game. He's a tight end three that will have tight end one week. because That's just this <laughs> stupid position. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously that brings us to the end. I mean, what a great way to finish talking about tight ends that are basically just dart throws it in terms of dynasty. But hey, that's the that's the nature of the position, I guess. But yeah, before I let you guys get off first, I just want to say thank you for coming on this speed a lot of fun talking to you guys getting you guys to to give us your opinion on on, on, on dynasty and, and these players as well so before you do go please let everyone know where they can find you and anything you might want to plug before before we let you jump off yes yeah, so you can find all three of us in, in the roto underworld on player profiler um the, jack and maddie are two of our better podcasters we're putting out content jack's ever uh, out there every single day on player profiler today it's fantastic Maddie has the game plan. Maddie has trade gods. You can find me on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. You can find me on First Class Fantasy. Uh, we really, really appreciate you guys having us on and allowing us to try to help you support this awesome cause. Um, I have a great deal of respect for for your ability to go so many hours. Uh, that's a big hat tip right there. But yeah, this was awesome today, guys. Uh, thanks so much for for having us. Yeah, oh, thank absolutely. you guys so much. You're killing it. Three hours in, you got another hour to go. You guys are absolute beasts. Thank you guys for having us on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure was all ours. Truly an honor. And best of luck with the final hour. No, you guys can do this. <laughs> and shout out, shout out to my boy, my boy Tom Strachan in the uh, in the chat. Tom uh, contributed to our <laughs> world famous draft kit this year, so I, I that was awesome. Great to see him in the chat as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and once again, thank you guys. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks. Take care, care, guys. Bye. Take care. Yeah, and with that, before we we move on to to the next amazing guest that we've got lined up again, I just want to say a huge thank you for for all the donations we've received so far. Um, If you do want to donate, you've still got plenty of time. We're we're keeping it open right up until the end of June. If you do want to find out, you can find the link on our Twitter page at Fantasy Wildcard. You can also search Fantasy Wildcard Charity Streamathon 2023 on Just Giving. So thank you once again for supporting us and obviously the Mind Charity.
When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.